0: I kind of like it down here, don't you? See, it's very nice and full. I think we'll just make this the permanent home. I don't recall so much hearing about the sick among us, but I do remember distinctly years ago an elder getting up and leading prayer on Sunday morning and saying, Lord, please bless those who are sick of this church. I, well, I wasn't quite sure what he meant exactly what he said, or was he thinking something else? (laughs) Glad you're here this morning. When was the last time you went into a business that didn't have a help-wanted sign? Seems like every place you go, they're looking for more workers. They don't seem to have enough help. Last Sunday morning, when those of us that got here early saw on the glass doors on the worship center, somebody had come along and posted a help-wanted sign on it trying to recruit workers for a portrait studio or something uh, I thought that was sort of novel and brash and a bit rude but uh, (laughs) nevertheless people are looking for workers are looking for help well in Matthew 9 Jesus kind of puts out a help warning and wanted sign doesn't he Uh, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest Jesus clearly saw the need for more workers in God's kingdom right If you back up from our scripture reading this morning all the way to the beginning of Matthew 8 and read through chapters 8 and 9, you will find 10 different accounts of Jesus performing miracles to help people. Most of them are miracles of healing, not all of them, but most of them. He finishes the Sermon on the Mount at the end of Matthew chapter 7, and as he's coming down from the mountain, he is met by a leper who begs for cleansing. And he touched him, and he was cleansed immediately. Right after that, a centurion came to him, asking him to please heal his servant. And Jesus said, I'll go to heal him. And the centurion said, "Uh, you don't need to come. I know you don't. You're a man of authority, uh, as I am. And I know that you have the power to but say the word, and my servant will be healed. Jesus did say the word, and the servant was healed. And Jesus added the comment, not even in Israel have I found such faith. He went into Peter's house where Peter's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever and he healed her just by touching her hand. And then that evening, the Bible says, many who were oppressed by demons came to him and he cast out the spirits with the word and he healed all who were sick. Later he got into a boat with the twelve and there was a storm that they thought was going to kill them and Jesus with a word calmed that storm and took them to the other side. When he got to the other side, he was met by two demon-possessed men who were violent, uh, who no one had been able to help, no one had been able to contain. And he cast those spirits out and they went into a herd of swine. And those herd of swine rushed off into a cliff and into the lake and were drowned. <laughs> and then after that, some friends brought a man who was paralyzed and brought him on a cot and laid him before Jesus so that Jesus could heal him. And Jesus did. And as he did, he said, Son, your sins... Are forgiven, and that kind of raised the ire of the religious authorities who were standing by because they said this is blasphemy. Who can heal? Who can forgive sins? But God alone. They were right. They just didn't realize what they were looking at. Then he's approached by a synagogue ruler. Man, we're told in other places his name Jairus. Jairus begs him to come and heal his little daughter, and he's on the way. And he's on the way to heal Jairus's daughter, who it turns out has already died. Actually he's on the way to raise her from the dead. A woman with a hemorrhage comes up to him and touches his garment. And the hemorrhage stops. And he tells her that she has been cleansed. And then he uh, encounters uh, two blind men after that. After he raises Jairus' daughter who cry out to him and call him son of David, the Messianic title. Asking him to please restore their sight. And he did. And then finally a man who was unable to speak because of a demon comes to him and Jesus healed him. And the Pharisees, not being able to explain away the miracle, said, well, he must be doing that by the power of the devil. Cast out demons by the, by the prince of demons. Well, the text then gives a summary that Jesus goes throughout all their cities and villages and he's doing three things as he does. He's teaching in the synagogues and he is Uh, Proclaiming the kingdom of God, and he is healing those who are ill. Teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the kingdom, and healing those who are ill. And then the Bible says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why did he have compassion on them? Because they were harassed and helpless. The original literally says they were torn and thrown down like sheep with no shepherd. That's what would happen to sheep out in those fields in those days. They would be attacked by animals and be torn and thrown down. And he sees these crowds of people, and they're like helpless sheep who've been torn and thrown down. And that's when Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. That idea of harvest suggests urgency. I don't know how many of you grew up around farming. Uh, I've never farmed or lived on a farm, but my dad had a grain elevator when I was growing up and I worked there from the time I was 12 years old. And uh, one of the things that I found out was that harvests are urgent. When it comes time to harvest the crop, if you don't get it in, something's gonna happen to ruin it, especially in West Texas. And I remember a lot of nights when there would be a, a Thunderstorm coming, perhaps with hail, and we'd be working way into the night because the farmers would be out there with their combines harvesting into the night, sometimes all night long to get the crop in before the rains and the hail came and ruined it. And so, Jesus says that you need to pray to the Lord of the harvest because we've got to have plenty of workers to get this harvest done, we've got to have plenty of workers to bring in the harvest. The crop can be lost if there's not enough workers. Time is of the essence well what is this harvest that jesus is talking about that's so plentiful it turns out it's a bumper crop of people it's a bumper crop of people who are hurting and confused and wandering and lost and they have nobody to guide them And one effect of Jesus' miracles is that he surfaced loads of people who were in need and who were seeking help. Because they knew that he could help them with the healing. They came and because they saw his power and saw his authority, their hearts were open to the message of the kingdom. You see, healing didn't save them. Healing didn't give them the eternal life that Jesus came to bring He could heal their bodies and they would just turn around and die again later, wouldn't they? Right. Uh, or he could raise them from the dead and they would die again. Or he could heal them and they would die anyway, at some point. So they needed something more than healing. And the healing attracted them, and the healing gave them confidence in his message. And then he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And notice that this healing was not promised to continue but the proclamation of the kingdom message was he didn't tell the disciples pray to the lord of the harvest that there'll be more healers he says pray to the lord of the harvest that he will send forth more workers into his field so that's the harvest it's these lost confused helpless people but who are the laborers well in the first instance it's the twelve apostles themselves You know, one of the most amazing things about Christian faith and about the movement that Jesus started is that its success rested on the faithfulness of 12 men. On the faithfulness of those 12 men, the whole process rested. And if they didn't do what Christ had called them to do, then you and I would not today be sitting here. We would not be followers of Jesus. We would not know what it is to have our sins cleansed. We would not have a hope of heaven. They had to act on behalf of the whole world to bring the message of kingdom, of the kingdom to the whole world. Thankfully, they were faithful to that task. Secondly, though, Jesus knew that these 12 wouldn't be enough. For one thing, the job was too large. They were only 12 men. They couldn't go everywhere. Uh, They were to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but uh, they couldn't cover everything. I'm pretty sure none of them ever came to Richmond. Uh, But they couldn't go everywhere, so there was going to need to be uh, an extended labor force. And also, Jesus knew the task would outlive them. He knew that there would always be people, as long as this world stands, who were needing to hear the message of the cross, needing to hear that Christ had died for their sins and been raised for their justification. And so they needed to pray that the Lord of the harvest, the one to whom the harvest belongs, will send forth laborers into his harvest. And so in the first instance, it's the 12 apostles, but then he goes beyond them. And that brings it down to you and me. I have no doubt in my mind that the 12 did pray. I would, wouldn't you, if Jesus had given me, if I'd been one of 12 and he said, "Go going all the world, I'd be praying a lot for more workers. I have no doubt that they did that, and I believe that God answered that prayer, but the need continues. There is still a plentiful harvest. There is still a bumper crop of lost folks who need to hear the message of Christ. There's still a place for more workers. You see, when you accepted Christ, you signed on to be one of them. When you accepted Christ, you signed on to be part of the labor force that would help bring the world to Christ. We all did. So there's some things that we need to notice about Jesus' words here in Matthew chapter nine, verses 35 to 38. First of all, the task is still urgent. It's been a long time since Jesus uttered those words, but the task is still urgent. You see, one of these days, Jesus is going to come again and call this whole world into judgment. And even if his judgment or his coming is delayed, even though it may be delayed a long, long time, people are dying every day, aren't they? And they're dying without Christ, they're dying without knowing who their savior is. And so the task is urgent. It always has been and it always will be. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27 says, it is appointed unto man to die once. And after that comes judgment. People are dying. And they will face judgment. That's what makes the task so urgent. Paul understood that because in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verses 10 and uh, 11, he said, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we will receive good or evil according to what we've done in the body. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Therefore, he says, knowing the fear of God, we persuade men. Therefore, knowing the fear of God, we persuade men. You see, all around us, people are headed to judgment. The harvest is plentiful, and it is urgent. And the second thing we needed to notice about Jesus' words is that people really are lost. They really are. You know, we don't say that a lot anymore, do we? We don't talk about it as much as we should. About the world being lost. People really are lost if they die without christ they really will spend an eternity away from god we've gotten into the idea of thinking that basically people are okay that's what our society tells us that's what our culture tells us and no matter who they are what they're doing how they're living or what they think what they believe don't believe they're really okay they just need a little tuning up and so if we can give them the right self-help courses and kind of you know, guide them and, and uh, give them some self-improvement they'll be okay people really are okay the Bible says know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God Amen. and are lost and helpless without him it isn't that they need to know a better way they need to know the only way to God they need to know the only way to find forgiveness of their sins and in our world today we seem hesitant to say it because to other people it sounds judgmental who are we to say that they're lost we're not saying it god's already said it it's just a reality it's like saying someone is sick you're not criticizing them you're just saying that's the fact they're just they're ill and in the same way people are lost and we shouldn't be hesitant to say so jesus described people who are without him, a sheep without a shepherd. Wandering aimlessly, being in mortal danger, in need of rescue. One proper translation of the word savior is rescuer. They need a rescuer. They need somebody to rescue them, to pull them out of the pit, as the psalmist would have put it. People are confused. You ever wondered why people do some of the bizarre things they do in the world today? We're just kind of, our minds are blown sometimes as we see and hear things that are going on around us every day and are happening in the world. We think, why? What's happening to people? What's happening to people is what's always been happening to people. They are lost. They are lost. They are confused. They are not thinking straight. They are not thinking the way that God would have them to think. And they can't change that for themselves. They need the Savior. They need to know about Him. And that's where you and I come in well what will move us to reach out to them is the same thing that jesus is described as having in verse 36 compassion when he saw the crowds he had compassion for them the original literally says bowels have you ever had an experience that caused you to have what we would call a visceral reaction, but we don't use the word visceral, do we? Gut reaction. You ever had something to kind of hit you in the stomach? You ever had something hit you so hard that it gave you a physical response? When Jesus saw these harassed, helpless crowds, he had a gut reaction to what was happening to them. And that's when he told the disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest our primary motive for telling others about Christ ought to be simply to be obedient to our King but most of the time that will not do it most of the time we have to add to that the compassion of Christ we have to begin to feel that compassion for other people we have to be moved to be willing to speak to them about their need To be willing to speak to them about the savior who alone can help them we have to have compassion did you hear the report a couple of weeks ago about the doctor who was on a overseas flight and there was a medical emergency and the flight crew put the word out (coughs) asking is there a doctor on board and this man had been on board for hours and so he'd been conversing with the person in the seat next to him and then They turned to him and they said, well, you're a doctor, aren't you gonna go help them? And he said, no, no, I've been drinking and then I probably wouldn't uh, be able to be of much help to them. So no, I'm not gonna try to help them. I don't know what the outcome of the emergency was, but that story got spread all over the internet and, and most folks who responded to it had compassion for the doctor, not for the person who was ill and suffering and in danger of dying, but compassion for the man who selfishly had been intoxicating himself to the point that he wasn't able to do any good and wouldn't even try. Folks, is that a parable of the church? Are we so intoxicating ourselves with the things of this world? that we don't have the compassion that we ought to have for people who are lost and who are dying every day without Christ? Are we so intoxicated with the things of the world that we just really don't care? We need the compassion of Jesus. What do we do about the need for workers? What do we do in order to become the workers that are needed we start with what Jesus said we pray we pray he goes without saying that effective evangelism always starts with prayer it always starts with prayer why because we don't have the power that we need to be able to do the job it's simply too large we need to pray we need to pray for ourselves, that God will use us, that he will move us to compassion, that when we see the opportunities all around us, that we will act upon those. We need to pray for boldness if we lack that. If we're, As uh, Luke said so well, if we're not boasting about Christ and we don't have the boldness to speak up for him, we need to pray for that, that boldness, that he will equip us by his spirit to be able to do what needs to be done. We need to pray for other workers. None of us can do it by ourselves. We're not supposed to. That's not the idea. We need to pray for other workers, that God will raise up others to meet the needs all around us. We need to pray for each other, that we will be that body of Christ that is continually reaching out to a lost and dying world with the message of Jesus. We need to pray for the lost, if you're not already doing this, I want to encourage you to pick out one or more people, but at least one person, and pray for that person every day. One person who doesn't know Christ. One person who doesn't know their Savior. And pray for them every day. Pray that they will see their need. Pray that their hearts and their minds will be open to the gospel. Pray that you'll have an opportunity to lead them to the foot of the cross. And don't stop praying for them until they come to Christ and then pray that they too will become workers in God's field. You know, I believe that most Christians want to lead other people to Christ. I believe we really do. We know that's our job. We've heard the Great Commission over and over. But somehow we tend to have sort of a paralysis about it. We're inhibited in various ways. You say, we don't know how, or we feel inadequate, or we fear we're going to mess up, and we just kind of don't know what to do if we got an opportunity. We're kind of afraid we'd get one because we're not real sure what we'd do with it. And I, I know that that feeling. Uh, I've been there myself. I want to try to remedy that in a couple of ways, in very practical ways. Tonight... At 6 o'clock when we meet together in the upstairs fireside room. And I would love for it to be so full that we have to come down here. But we're going to plan to meet upstairs in the fireside room at 6 o'clock. And I want to put in your hands a tool. A tool for teaching other people the gospel in one session. If you get one opportunity to sit down with somebody and explain to them what salvation is all about and why they need it and how they can become a follower of Jesus i are going to put that tool in your hand this evening at 6 o'clock. And then the second thing is, starting in the middle of February, we're going to be using Sunday evenings for further evangelism training. We're going to do that for several weeks. We're going to talk about different methods. We're going to talk about uh, different approaches. We're tr- going to talk about answering objections and answering common questions and so forth. And we're going to learn to become better equipped. To be one of those laborers that Jesus talked about. So those are the two things that we're going to do to change the fact that we want to, but somehow we're not. In the meantime, pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for one another. Pray for the harassed and helpless people around you who desperately need to know Jesus. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send you and other laborers into his harvest. Let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus coming into this world and dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, we're so thankful that there's an answer to the problem of being lost and that the answer is Jesus. We thank you, Father, that before us not only the 12 apostles, but others of your people were faithful to their calling. And they spoke the word with boldness and they taught others and somebody taught us. And we came to Christ. We pray, Father, that you would help us to become part of that chain of faith as we continue to be laborers in your field. Father, fill us with the compassion of Jesus. Fill us with a concern and a desire for the people around us. You can give us the, the love and the courage, the faith and the boldness to speak Your Word, speak it clearly. Thank you so much, Father, that we've had this time together this morning. Thank you for Your Word that teaches us so clearly. Help us to follow it faithfully. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our closing song. If you it, come today and you don't yet know Christ. Come and tell us and we will be more than happy to help you find it. Let's stand together,